So we're reading from John, the 13th chapter, the first through the 11th verses. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I read over this uh, whole segment of scripture during this past week, I wound up with about a 13 point sermon. And uh, I decided that was just too much. <clears throat> and so uh, I had to pare it down. And so this is one of those things that's turned into a series. And the series is going to be about what Jesus wants you to know. And uh, uh, in uh, the, the passage that we read this morning, we see several things about Jesus. And one of the things is that we see is that he loved his disciples. That's made clear. The next thing that we see, and this is what I really want to talk about this morning, is he knew who he was. And I think this is important. He, sit, he, he sets quite a few examples here, but the most important one that I see right out of the chute is that he knew who he was. He knew where he was from. He knew where he was going. He knew why he was here. And he knew uh, where, he, uh, where he knew where he was. He also knew where he was headed. He knew where he was going. He was getting ready to leave and go back to be with his heavenly father. And uh, what I really want to talk to you about today is that he wants you to know who you are. You know, there are, there are times, if I was, I was looking back, 
where there we don't want people to know who we are. Uh, I, Sharon and I were talking about one of them on the way down here today. Whenever uh, we'd gone out to dinner with uh, some friends of ours, and uh, we were sitting in, uh, I think it was a Western Sizzling, and uh, I uh, we were sitting there talking. We were in a booth, and uh, I uh, had a salad there, and I took the cherry tomato, stuck it in my mouth. And as I bent down, I felt my lips vibrate. And as I was feeling my lips vibrating, I saw a stream of seeds (laughs) spurt out of my mouth and arch over into this lady's beautiful hairdo that was sitting with her back to us. And this lady was dressed to the nines. I mean, you could tell their next stop was going to be the, a ball or an opera or something really fancy. And she was just all gussied up. Everybody at that table. I mean, it was tucks and tails time, you know. <clears throat> she probably had a $200 hairdo there. And so all four of us just sit there at the table for a moment and shock as to what's just happened and so then we had to do it have a discussion you know kind of what do i do do i uh, just go sorry ma'am i just spit a bunch of spit a bunch of tomato seeds in your hair you know and we finally decided that the thing to do was not say a word because then i mean she didn't even feel them hitting her hair you know so uh she's going to go through the night and enjoy herself And then later on, when she was combing that pretty hairdo out, then she said, where did these tomato seeds come from? You know, and I'm just so glad she never knew that I was the one that put them there. There are times when it's better that people do not know when you are. There's another time when I was driving along. Well, my first car was a 51 Cadillac. And I traded it in on a 53 Plymouth. And this Plymouth had a six-cylinder engine in it. And I didn't know how fast it would go. And I was out, just hadn't had it long at all. I decided I was out on a country road, straight straight away, a little curve up ahead. I decided I'd see how fast this car would go. And I got it going all the way up to like, 85 miles an hour. That's as fast as it would go. And then I go around a curve and it looked like a Texas Highway Patrolman uh, District Convention. There were 10, had to be 10 Highway Patrol cars pulled over on the side of the road and all these guys, I could see all these Highway Patrolmen in their uniforms out there they were having a discussion about something and they turned around and it's like in unison they saw me and they stuck their hands on their hips and just about that time I was right by them now what do you do at a time like that do you pull over and hold up your hands and confess and surrender moment of truth I just went and just kept on going until I got around the curve, pulled down a dirt road and 
stayed there for a respectable amount of time and then went back another way so that they would never know who I was. There are times when it's good to not know when you are, where, where people, other people don't know who you are. But the Lord wants you to know who you are. It's important in this day and age that people know who they are. We just had a, uh, a time of uh, uh, politics. I mean, politics ticks big time. Everybody out campaigning. And I remember the story, uh, this is a true story. Back in the 50s, the governor of Massachusetts was Christian Herter. And he had been campaigning hard. It was the close of the day. And there was one last fundraiser and he was so hungry and he was there in line waiting to get his food. And the lady put one piece of chicken on his plate and uh, he was so starving. He said, uh, uh, ma'am, do you mind if I have another piece of chicken? And she said, I'm sorry, just one piece of chicken to a person. And uh, normally he would just let it slide, but he was really hungry. He decided to assert his position. And so he said, ma'am, uh, you may not know this, but uh, uh, who I am, I am the governor of this good state. And the lady said, you may not know who I am. I'm the lady that hands out the chicken. Get along, mister. And, uh, and so this is, uh, so she knew who she was and we need to know who we are. Now, the first thing that I want you to know about who you are is that you are not a mistake. You are not an accident. The world today is trying to make people feel like they don't count, like uh, uh, they're nobody like uh, uh, we're just digits somehow, just specks on this globe of some sort. And uh, scripture tells us something totally different. And this is what I want to get across to you this morning. Just a little inkling of who you are, because the world doesn't want you to know who you are. Your birth was no mistake. It was not an accident. And your life is not a fluke of nature. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. He was not at all surprised by your birth. And in fact, he expected it. Yes, there may be unplanned pregnancies from a parent's point of view, but there are no unplanned people from God's point of view. Long before you were conceived, you were uh, conceived in the mind of God. And it's uh, not uh, fate or chance, nor luck, nor coincidence that you are here right now. You're alive because God wanted to create you. Not somebody that he could make be somebody else. You the real you. The Bible says the Lord will fill his pur purpose for me, not somebody that I copy for me. 
God prescribed every single detail of your body. He deliberately chose your race. He chose the color of your skin and every other feature. There's, uh, there's uh, the uh, world today is trying to make some people feel embarrassed or uncomfortable for just being the race that they are. He created you to be who you are. And uh, you don't have to try to be somebody else. It's so weird nowadays. Uh, first of all, you've got uh, uh, people uh, 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 talking about white privilege and how uh, you need to somehow get unwhite or something. But uh, you try acting like another race and then that's racial appropriation. And so you see, you can't win. You try, you, you could be ashamed. And this is just it. It's the devil trying to make you ashamed of being who you are. And he does, the Lord doesn't want you to be ashamed of who you are. He wants you to be you for him. The real you, the you he created you to be right where you are. He custom made your body just the way that he wanted it. You may not like your height. You may not like your shape. There may be a lot of things you don't like about it, but God thinks it's just the neatest thing ever. Okay. He made you just the way he wanted you. He, uh, he determined what natural talents that you would possess and the uh, uniqueness uh, or even the quirkiness of your personality. He created you. The Bible says, you know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. You know how I was sculpted from nothing into something. That's what he knows about you. God made you for a reason. And he also decided that you would be born. Well, he decided when you were going to be born. Some people are saying, oh, if I had just been born a hundred years ago, uh, I, I think I'd have been so much happier. He needed you right here, right now. At this point in time, your unique set of everything was meant for today. Uh, he planned the days of your life in advance, choosing the exact time of your birth and death. The Bible says, you saw me, you knew me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. God's also planned or he, he planned where you were going to be born and uh, where you would live for his purpose. Now, it's interesting that I've discovered that some things I have seen, I was going to have to go through whether I was living for him or not. Back when I was in the insurance claims profession, <coughs> I was at the regional level and uh, of all state. And then the Lord called me to the ministry and I had to go to Dallas to go to seminary. 
Two places I said I'd never live, by the way, was Dallas and Texarkana. And then, so then I get, the Lord calls me. I know I'm his. I go to Dallas. I didn't care where he wanted me to be. That's where I wanted to be. So I went to Dallas. You know what happened? Six months later, they combined the Houston and Dallas regional offices of Allstate. And my job in Houston moved to Dallas. I was going to Dallas. I was going to spend time in Dallas, whether I wanted to or not. And uh, so you see, there are some things that you can just look and see that it's just been planned. This is the one that's going to go, but you can do it joyfully for him or you can do it uh, in a miserable way for yourself and still go through some of the same stuff. It's just amazing. But God left no detail to chance. He planned it all for his purpose. The Bible says from one man, he made every nation and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. The places where you should live. Some people, oh, I just wish I'd been born in such and such a country. Oh, I just wish I'd been born in this part of the country. You are where you are for a reason. Nothing in your life is arbitrary. It's all for a purpose. Most amazingly, God decided how you would be born. Regardless of the circumstances of birth, who your parents are, God had a plan in creating you. It doesn't matter whether your parents were good, bad, or indifferent. God knew that those two individuals had just exactly the right genetic makeup to create the custom you that he had in mind. They had the DNA that God wanted to use for you. Now, while there are illegitimate parents, there are no illegitimate children. Many children are unplanned by their parents, as I said earlier, but they're not unplanned by God. God's purpose took into account human error and even human sin. God never does anything accidentally, and he never makes mistakes. He has a reason for everything that he creates. Every plant, every animal was planned by God, and every person was designed with a purpose in mind. And his motive, his reason for creating you, is because of his love. He wanted to love you. He wanted you. Not your imitation of somebody else. Not who you can straighten up and fly up and become if you try to do right. The unique you. Uh, the Bible says, long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love. Paul says that in Ephesians, the first chapter, the fourth verse. Now, you know, God was thinking about you even before 
He started the universe. In fact, that's why he created it. God designed his uh, planet or this planet's environment just so we could live in it. We are the focus of his love and we are the most valuable part of his creation. This is just how much God loves you and how much he values you. Some people just don't, they've been beaten down to where they don't think they're worth anything. And yet, whenever you come to know the Lord and how deep his love goes for you, you can't help but be overwhelmed with uh, how cool it is to be you. God's not haphazard. He planned everything with great precision. The more physicists, biologists, and other scientists learn about the universe, the better we understand uh, how it is uniquely suited for our existence, custom-made with the exact specifications that make human life possible. Even the alignment of the planets and the moon and everything else helps prevent asteroids from, and stuff from just bombarding us and blowing us off the face of the earth. He has these safety measures in the universe even. What Dr. Michael Denton, senior research fellow in human muscular, I'm sorry, human molecular uh, genetics at the University of uh, Otago in New Zealand, has concluded... <coughs> All the evidence available in the biological sciences supports the core proposition that the cosmos is specially designed, uh, is a specially designed whole with life and mankind as its fundamental goal and purpose. A whole in which all facets of reality have their meaning an explanation in this central fact. Now, the Bible said the same thing thousands of years before Dr. Denton did. Uh, Isaiah uh, was told, God formed the earth. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. This one little speck in all of creation, it all has to do with right here, right now. And so why did he bother going to all the trouble of creating a universe for us? Because he's a God of love. And he wanted you to love. And uh, this kind of love is difficult to understand. But this is where faith comes in. You can uh, turn your back on it, or you can accept the fact that God created you to be you. And uh, deep down, you have a desire within your heart to be the very person he created you to be. God says, I have carried you since you were born. I have taken care of you from your birth. Even when you were old, I will be the same. Even when your hair has turned gray, I will take care of you. 
I made you and will take care of you. That's in Isaiah, the 46th chapter, the third and fourth verses. I will close today with a story that pretty well kind of sums all this up. Uh, Fred Craddock was a uh, seminary professor uh, quite a while back. And he was vacationing with his wife in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And one morning while they were eating breakfast at a little restaurant, hoping to enjoy a quiet uh, family meal, while they were waiting for their food, they noticed a very distinguished looking white haired man that was just visiting from table to table. Very gregarious guy. And uh, uh, he was just visited from one uh, set of guests to the next. And he leaned over. And, uh, anyway, Fred Craddock leaned over and said to his wife, I, I hope he doesn't come over here. But sure enough, the man did come over to their table. And he said, where are you folks from? And uh, they said, uh, Oklahoma. And he said, well, it's great to have you here in Tennessee. Oh, what do you do for a living? And uh, Fred Craddock replied, uh, I teach at a seminary. And so the guy said, oh, so you teach preachers how to preach, do you? Well, I've got a really great story for you. And with that, the gentleman pulled up a chair and sat down at the table with the couple and Fred Craddock kind of groaned inwardly and thought to himself, great, just what I need, another preacher story. And so the man started. See that mountain over there? And he pointed out his window. He said, not far from the base of that mountain, there was a boy born to an unwed mother. He had a hard time growing up because Every place he went, he was always asked the same question. Hey, boy, who's your daddy? Whether he was at school, in the grocery store, or a drugstore, uh, they were always asking the same question. Who's your daddy? The old guy sitting on the bench in the downtown square would look at him. And you could tell the question in their eyes was who his daddy was. He'd hide at recess and take lunch by himself uh, from other students. He uh, would avoid going into stores because that question hurt him so bad. When he was about 12 years old, a new preacher came to town and he kept hearing good things about this preacher, so he thought he'd go in and hear what this guy had to say. And so he slipped in and sat on the back row about where Clara's sitting. Oh, I guess more like where Kim's sitting, just where he could just slip right out that door. And uh, uh, so that he could always slip out uh, just while the doxology was being sung. And uh, but then and he he. He went, he heard this guy, he liked what he had to say. So he kept going back every Sunday. And uh, But then one day, the preacher said the benediction so fast that he got caught in the crowd 
and had to wait to get out the door. And just about the time that he got to the back door, all of a sudden, he felt a big, heavy hand on his shoulder. And he heard the preacher ask him, Son, who's your daddy? And the whole church got deathly quiet. He could feel every eye in that church looking at him. Now, everybody wanted to know the answer to that question as to who his daddy was. This new preacher, though, sensed the situation around him and using the discernment that only the Holy Spirit could give in a moment like that, said the following to that scared little boy. Wait a minute. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance now. You're a child of God. And with that, he patted the boy on his shoulder and said, Boy, you've got a great inheritance. Now go claim it. With that, the boy smiled for the first time in a long time. And he walked out that door a changed person. He was never the same again. He knew who he was. And so whenever anybody asked him, who's your daddy? He just tell him, I'm a child of God. Now, this distinguished gentleman got up from the table and said, isn't that a great story? And the professor had to say, that really is a great story. And as the man turned to leave, he said, you know, if that new preacher hadn't told me that I was God's child, I probably never would have amounted to anything. And then he walked away. Well, uh, Fred Craddock and his wife were just stunned that the story they had heard was this man's life story. And he called the waitress over and he asked her, do you know who that man was that just left that was sitting here at our table? And the waitress grinned and said, of course, everybody knows him. He's the best loved man in all of Tennessee. He's Ben Hooper, our former governor. The thing that I want to get across to you today is that you are not an accident. God planned Ben Hooper. God planned you. No matter what your beginning was, no matter what your situation is right this moment, your Heavenly Father loves you more deeply than you can ever imagine. You don't have to feel bad about who you are, what talents you have or don't have. What you do need to know is that you are loved 
And as far as God's concerned, you're the most important person on the face of this earth. And he wants to spend time with you every day. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.